see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time to really... Hello. Hello, hello, and welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, your host, and I am thrilled as always to be here, and I'm psyched that you've tuned in. So a little housekeeping before we get started. First, if you want to reach me, you can email me anytime at info at talkwithfrancesca.com. If you miss part of the show, you can hop on over to my iTunes page, where you can also listen to hundreds of other episodes of Talk with Francesca. And if you want to know what else is going on, including upcoming shows, giveaways, etc., visit my website, talkwithfrancesca.com. This show is sponsored by Terramia Restaurante in the North End, when you'll only accept the absolute best in Italian food, great service, and an intimate setting. Terramia is your go-to spot. I know, because it also happens to be my favorite. And get this, there's parking, yep, and don't forget to tell them I sent you. Alrighty, we are going to get started. The state of affairs, love affairs that is. Many would say that infidelity is the ultimate betrayal, but does it have to be? This show is a must listen to for anyone who has ever cheated or been cheated on. So why do we cheat and why do happy people cheat? And when we say infidelity, what exactly do we mean? Is it a hookup? A massage with a happy ending, a love affair, or a chat room? And why do we think that men cheat out of boredom and fear of intimacy, and women cheat out of loneliness and hunger for intimacy? And is an affair always the end of a relationship? I'm going to vote for hardly ever, but that's just my opinion. My guest is evolutionary psychologist, Dr. Sarah Hill. She's an authority and leading researcher in the rapid, rapidly expanding field of evolutionary psychology. And she's gonna share with us how, share with us why people cheat and unpack why affairs can be so traumatic. Welcome to Talk with Francesca, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Sarah, let's just start with explaining to our listening audience what exactly is evolutionary psychology. Yeah, sure. So evolutionary psychology is just a way of looking at research questions. So, you know, um, human beings have been around for a really long time. And, um, you know, as an evolutionary psychologist, um, we sort of understand human behavior or think about um, trying to gain insight into human behavior by using the tools that are available to us from um, the theory of evolution by natural selection. So we're able to just sort of, you know, take behavior and take um, our psychology into a broader context and try to understand, like, what the function is of different types of emotions or um, behaviors that we tend to exhibit um, because, you know, traits, like whether it's a behavioral trait or like an emotional trait, um, things that don't help facilitate or help to promote um, survival or reproduction, they tend to get eliminated from the population. And because of this, it gives us sort of a powerful tool to try to um, ask questions about function. So when we look at a trait or a behavior, ultimately we're asking ourselves, what is the function? 
function of that, you know, trait or what is the function of that behavior. And this sort of a framework is particularly um, useful in terms of understanding painful emotional experiences. So things like jealousy or envy, right? Things where you think like this is bad or pathological um, and helps us understand why that's a part of our psychological playbook. And it also helps us understand behaviors that we might also think of that way, including things like infidelity, mm-hmm. right? Why is it that people tend to exhibit these kinds of behaviors, even though, you know, um, you know, socially we um, think that they're, uh, you know, we obviously try to discourage them. Well, it's interesting when you say, you said the word pathological. I mean, if yes. so many people cheat, is the whole, is half the world pathological then? Right? Uh, right. So. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a tendency, you know, for, um, you know, people to sort of assume that when we see a behavior that's undesirable mm-hmm. or unpleasant, um, that it is pathological. And we tend to pathologize things that we don't like. Um, but that doesn't, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily the way to go. I think that, um, you know, we can understand things even if they're undesirable. Um, and we can sort of get a deeper understanding of why it is that these kinds of things occur. So do you think understanding why people cheat would make it any less painful for the person that's being cheated on? Uh, no. <laughs> um, experientially, like, I don't think that it's probably going to, um, you know, sort of soften the blow. And, mm. and the reason it's so painful when people experience, you know, any sort of an infidelity is because, you know, it is um, sort of threatening this really important bond that has played such an important role in terms of um, successful reproduction over the course of our evolutionary history, right? People who didn't mind if their partner was, you know, um, you know, fell, falling in love with somebody else or having sex with somebody else, um, those people probably wouldn't have done very well evolutionarily. You know, they probably wouldn't have um, passed down quite as many uh, copies of their genes as people who are really proprietary about the resources that they get from their partner. And so, like, you know, our experiences of pain, like, I don't think are at all, you know, sort of influenced in terms of our, um, you know, understanding the sort of reasons um, why people might uh, sort of um, engage in infidelity, but I do think that it can help us sort of understand, like better understand mm-hmm. the context in which it is occurring and but maybe even be able to better cope with it and get and sort of move on from it if that's what they want to do with their relationship. All right. Well, it's kind of like psychotherapy. You can talk about why things have happened or why you behave a certain way and you can t- have a lifetime in therapy talking about that stuff, but it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily make it any better. But it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you feel better because I mean it's, I think I don't think that it, it would soften the blow of how you feel but I do really think that if we understand the types of things that lead um, men and women to you know to commit infidelities that it might help people better affair proof their own relationships and if it's something that happens you know to them and again I don't think it's actually going to soften the blow in terms of how they feel um, but I think that it would potentially be able to help people sort of get past it by feeling more secure about, you know, sort of understanding the reasons that this happened to their relationship so that way they can better prevent it from happening in the future. Mm. I mean, adultery has existed since marriage was invented, but so has the taboo against it. So how do we reconcile what is universal, universally forbidden yet universally practiced? 
Right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that are that way, right? It's, um, yeah. it's like we, te- you know, when, when there's a sort of behavioral tendency that people have when it's something that's undesirable, then, you know, so goes the taboo, right, as a means of trying to manage other people's, um, manage other people's behavior. Because, I mean, affairs are really costly, um, not only, you know, like in terms of, you know, just the emotional cost of it and, you know, the financial cost if a couple ends up um, splitting up. But, you know, sort of like if we think about things in terms of like the deep um, sort of evolutionary, you know, sort of um, consequences of having our partner direct their affections or direct their um, reproductive resources is the way that we would say it in the evolutionary sciences, which is not very sexy sounding, but it's just the <laughs> idea that, you know, that a woman, if she um, has an affair with a man and she ends up having somebody else's baby that the man is, un- you know, sort of unwittingly investing in because his partner um, was had strayed, um, these are things that are really consequential, you know, evolutionarily. And so, um, you know, we have evolved um, a brain that's really sensitive to this sort of thing and um, and try to forbid it at all costs, you know, as long as we're forbidding it for other people, of course. Um, you know, whenever there's a taboo against something, mm-hmm. it's, it's usually directed at everyone else except for, except for yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get to the meat of it. Why do men cheat versus why, do, why women cheat? Yeah, and so, you know, it's sort of an interesting topic because um, and it's sort of something that people have always assumed to be true, and I think that it's something that um, has sort of existed in, like, um, you know, sort of popular cultural wisdom that um, men and women might cheat for somewhat different reasons and um, sort of, you know, the research tends to suggest that that's actually true and that um, women tend to engage in infidelity usually um, as a result of feeling dissatisfied with their current relationship. So we know um, from the research that um, women um, who are unhappy with their relationships are more likely to cheat than women who are not um, unhappy in their relationships, which is sort of interesting because for men, there's actually not a relationship at all between how happy they are with their relationship and their tendency or their likelihood of engaging in, um, in infidelity. Um, and so for women, it tends to be rooted in really a lot of times in relationship dissatisfaction mm-hmm. and um, trying to do what um, my advisor, <clears throat> David Buss, uh, would call um, mate switching, which is, you know, that they're basically directing their attention to this other person and possibly trying them out as an alternative um, partner. Um, whereas men generally um, will do it um, simply for, um, you know, because of the opportunity made itself available and they were looking for something sort of exciting to do, you know, um, and, uh, and, and wanted to have sex with this other person and just, you know, it's, it's usually more of a um, sort of a, uh, it's usually more casual than it is for women. Mm. Um, and they'll do it more just for the sort of um, sexual mm. thrill of it than mm. women do. And that's not to say that women don't also yeah. do it for these types of reasons, but in terms of the sort of sex differences that we see in the um, reasons, yeah, we tend to see those types of, uh, those types of patterns. So sort of across the board, are you saying that men basically cheat for... Uh, sexual excitement and but yet they're 
usually usually has nothing to do with their relationship or are you saying in general usually or always yeah i mean yeah I, no i mean yes, I've no, yeah. i have known men who have um gotten into other relationships and mm-hmm. um then they end up marrying the they divorce their wife and they end up marrying the woman that they were in a, having an affair with and mm-hmm. You know, so it has to have been more yeah. than than sex. But right. I, 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 but I would also yes. always caution a woman who thinks that the man who um, she's having an affair with is going to leave his wife is crazy. As a matter of fact, in that what was that movie when it's so old when Harry met Sally and Sally right. keeps saying to her best friend. He's never going to leave her. No, he's right. never going to leave her. And she kept right. saying, I don't know if you remember that particular scene, and I have no idea why yeah. I in particular remembered it, but <laughs> I just, I found it very funny. No, he's never going to leave her. And I yeah. don't think in general, and it seems more often than not, from at least what I've observed, that men mm-hmm. um, don't, but women often do. Yes, and that's um, and that gets down to that that issue that we were just talking about, and that is that um, you know, and, and again, there are some men who will fall in love with this other person and then leave their wife for this other woman. Um, but as um, yeah, Sally's friend from when Harry met Sally will tell you, um, that's oftentimes that's oftentimes <laughs> the exception um, rather than the rule. Right. Um, on the other hand, for women, um, you do tend to see that women are more likely likely to leave their relationship for their affair partner than men are. And it's because women are generally doing it for a totally different set of reasons. Um, And women are kind of trying out a possible new partner. And, um, you know, and this kind of, again, also has evolutionary roots to it just because, you know, for men, there are benefits, you know, evolutionarily speaking, there have been, you know, reproductive benefits that have been available to men for just having sex with other women, right? Because they have the possibility of transmitting their genes, um, you know, down to yet another, you know, another sort of another lineage where women, you know, if women had sex with like 10 different partners in the course of nine months, they would only have one pregnancy that could possibly result in it. And so the benefits associated with like sexual excitement um, historically haven't been as great for women as they have been for men. But the benefits have been great for women in terms of finding a partner who's better able to sort of provision um, for her and not just provision like financially, but also provision emotionally. And when you talk to women, in terms of citing their reasons for infidelity, a lot of them have to do with, um, you know, feeling like they're not satisfied with their current relationship. And a lot of it is because of what they feel like is a lack of emotional um, investment, sometimes also financial investment, but um, emotional investment being a sort of a key driver um, for a lot of women. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Dr. Sarah Hill. Are human beings actually meant to be monogamous? Is it possible that relationships have an expiration date? Perhaps passion simply has a finite shelf life. When we come back, stay with us here. I appreciate you hanging out with me. More talk on the way here on 95.9 WATD. 
Do you remember the last time your vehicle was in that pristine condition? Angel's Touch offers full-service detailing and bodywork. Family-owned and operated with several packages to choose from, you can count on your car to be immaculate from bumper to bumper, undercarriage to sunroof. Call Angel's Touch today at 508-759-1111. Collision, detailing, and full restoration, because you can always trust an Angel's Touch. Visit them at capepodautobodyanddetailing.com. So what are you waiting for? Ladies, it's time to enjoy a new you. Stop hiding. Experience a tradition of quality results and a standard of excellence and service at Kima Cosmetic Surgery Anti-Aging Center in Norwell. The best-kept secret south of Boston, whether you're looking to seek enhancement, reconstruction, or skin care, Kima is the only place to go. Having been in business for 11 years, their clients include A-listers. Kima is the first clinic in Massachusetts to use Limitless MD, human umbilical cord stem cells. These are the first human umbilical cord stem cells created for cosmetic procedures used in combination with some of the most advanced technologies. I've been to Kima myself and wouldn't go anywhere else because I expect exceptional results. So contact Kima today to schedule your consultation at 781-871-4200 or visit them at KimaAntiAging.com and discover the internal and external solution you've been looking for. Now, what are you waiting for? Looking for a unique experience to dining? Rio Brazilian Steakhouse brings an authentic Brazilian flavor with a great atmosphere to the restaurant scene in Plymouth. The interior is warm and welcoming, and the buffet style offers a relaxed atmosphere while offering fine dining with the traditional rodizio style from Rio, the heart of Brazil. Come dine and watch your dishes being prepared and cooked over the grill. Plymouth's best-kept secret, Rio Brazilian Steakhouse offers a full buffet daily, along with wine and beer. Rio Brazilian Steakhouse is located at 318 Court Street in Plymouth and is open seven days a week. For an unforgettable experience from start to finish, visit them at riosteakhouserestaurant.com. You'll be glad you did. Now, for more talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back. I'm Francesca, your host, and I am talking to Dr. Sarah Hill, and we are discussing infidelity. Welcome back, Dr. Hill. Thank you. So before the break, I posed the question, are human beings actually meant to be monogamous? Or, you know, is it possible that relationships have, well, if you will, an expiration date? Yeah, this is like a really interesting question because it's one that really, of course, nobody has the, you know, definitive answer to because there's, a, you know, there's some people who say like, no way, there's no way that we were possibly, you know, meant to be pair bonded to people for as long as we are now. Um, and, you know, a lot of the sort of thinking behind that is that, um, you know, the world is more complex than it ever was before. And we're living these incredibly long lifespans now that are sort of evolutionarily novel. Um, we used to, you know, sort of die in early and, <laughs> and untimely, mm-hmm. um, unpleasant death. Um, and, you know, so there are some people who think that, you know, maybe we really aren't wired to be in these long-term relationships for 50 plus years. Um, but then there are other people who, you know, sort of cite the fact that, you know, um, our human beings have these really um, you know, uh, dependent offspring. Um, so like when babies come into the world, 
world. They require a great deal of care, and there's a lot of evidence showing that, like, biparental care tends to lead to better outcomes for children, and it promotes survivability. And so having long-term committed stable peer bonds is something that probably has, you know, characterized um, our species. And so maybe we are really, you know, wired for um, long-term commitment. And so there's not a lot of consensus out there in the field in terms of, um, you know, whether or not we're wired for it. Um, but it's a really interesting question and certainly, um, you know, something that uh, is up for debate. Right. Well, I mean, monogamy used to mean one person for a lifetime, but today it seems it's more one person at a time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I think that, yeah, we call that like serial monogamy, and that tends to be the <laughs> mating system that, uh, you know, sort of characterizes, you know, most people in um, in the U.S. Whenever you have like a, you know, what we call like courtship dating, mm-hmm. um, yeah, people tend to be serially monogamous, where they go from one relationship then to another relationship to another relationship. So it's one at a time, but not necessarily one for the rest of your life. And, um, and yeah, and you see that most places. Um, where you have sort of this like courtship dating system. And um, yeah, and I think that that tends to be the sort of thing that most um, most people expect, I think, um, here in the U.S. You know, this was a really, really long time ago. I was working in a dating service and there was this guy who worked there. And um, he was quite a bit older than me. And he was married, but he always had a girlfriend. Right. And, but it was, I always found it very comical the way he would talk about his girlfriend, like it was this real relationship. And, when, and I just never forgot, and I just never forgot him coming into work one day and he was so depressed. It's like, Jim, what's the matter? Oh, and I don't remember her name. She broke up with me. Oh, and he couldn't function. And I just thought it was like the funniest thing. Like, seriously? Oh my like, you know, like this is, you know, he's married. Yeah. You know, it's just really, but he was, he was, he was clear. Really, um, he was a character. That's all I have to say about him. Um, but, but anyway, you know, uh, yeah. But you know, one thing that we didn't talk about, and just briefly, is uh-huh. what exactly the definition of infidelity actually is. I mean, is it sexting? Is it watching porn? Is it an actual love affair? Is it, you know, like I said at the beginning of the mm-hmm. show, a massage with a happy ending? I mean, what, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know, I don't think I better say this on the air, but, you know, I always get sort of a kick out of, you know, the men who say, oh, well, we didn't go to bed. We just had, well, we just had oral sex. <laughs> Right. (laughs) It's like, okay, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, so, you know, infidelity is something that is like, it has to be defined within the context of the relationship because, you know, for some couples, they might see, for example, they might perceive the use of pornography as being infidelity because they feel like this person, you know, their partner is directing their attentional resources to somebody else. Um, And so for that couple, Mm -hmm. that might be, you know, what they sort of, where they draw the line um, in terms of um, infidelity, you know, and then for other couples, it might, you know, it might include only, you know, like sort of overt um, attempts to either direct, you know, like somebody's sexual energy or their emotional energy to another, you know, another person. Like generally speaking with research, you know, researchers generally talk about like emotional infidelity, which is all the love and the care and affection and time. Um, and then sexual infidelity, which includes, um, you know, sex, including even just oral sex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> for I, those who um, who try to argue that that isn't cheating. So, um, you know, but but really, it's something that has to be defined, sort of, um, you know, within the context of an individual relationship, mm-hmm. and that's actually something that is probably important for. Um, committed couples to discuss like what is considered infidelity in the context <sighs> of this relationship. Oh my gosh! Right, because it's not necessarily a cut and dry sort of an issue. Well, okay, okay. Um, anyway, all right. Let's just move on here and talk a little bit about um, sort of the core structure of an affair. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's you know it's a secretive relationship, obviously, which is the core structure of the affair. Is you know it's a sort of a an, a sexual alchemy. You know, I think the erotic thrill is such that the kiss that you can only imagine giving can be as powerful and exciting as hours of actual lovemaking, right? Right. So, right. yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, th- I think that like that sort of forbidden thing, you know, mm-hmm. I think that is, I, see, I think that both men and women both want that. I don't think it's just that the guys want that and the women, you know, they want this, right? The, right? Or, or what, what are your thoughts right. on that? You know? No, no, I, I think I think they're totally right. No, I think that there's, you know, the um, idea of, you know, something exciting that takes you out of the mundane day-to-day, you know, life that we have to live, I think is exciting to everybody, right? And I think that that's just, um, you know, the idea that um, an affair or even just like fantasizing about one is just used as an escape um, from our daily lives, right? And to be validated, um, you know, sort of in an exciting way, um, you know, which is like totally outside, you know, most of us spend our lives at work and, you know, caring for kids and pets and doing laundry and, um, and yeah, the idea of, you know, sort of um, something where it's just about you and somebody focusing their energy on you um, is like, yeah, that's like very exciting, I think, for both men and women. You know, our Marshall Prowse said, it's our imagination that is responsible for love, not the other person. Um, You know, for those that cross the line, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk a little bit about what that glimmer of hope is. I mean, at the heart of an affair... Mm-hmm. I would bet, and again, not just for women, but also for men, that there's this longing, sort of a real yearning for an emotional connection, maybe from an evolutionary, you know, psychological standpoint, not so much, but, um, you know, but that for that sexual intensity, but more for a wish to recapture lost parts of ourselves or an attempt to sort of bring back the vitality. I mean, if you were, I don't know if you know who uh, Esther Peril is. Yes, yeah. Right? Okay, but she, I mean, from where, you know, I've watched a little of her stuff um, in the past, and I did a show a long time ago with uh, M. Gary Newman, who's a, you know, big, you know, talks about cheating all the time, why we cheat. I wrote a book about it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, um, of course, they're not coming from, from your perspective either but you know it's it seems that it's a lot more that these people are sort of um, yearning again for this emotional connection that they've lost you know and, and lost part of themselves like is this all there is you know I mean you talk about the midlife crisis right Um, You know, is this all there is? What's going to happen? Am I ever going to get that feeling back again? You know, I mean, I think that there's a big piece of that that goes on. You know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, no, I think you're totally. I think you're totally right about that, and I'm and I'm familiar with um, Esther Perel's work, and um, yeah, and it's just this idea that you know um, that for some people the um, idea of an affair or sort of you know having this other relationship is in part just so that way they can yeah recapture these feelings that they haven't had in a long time and trying to regain their sense of themselves. I think that as people sort of go um, through the course of their relationship. And even more than that, just going through, you know, the day-to-day of their life when they're sort of slogged down and doing things like caring for children and paying mortgages and all of those sorts of things, um, that the idea of, like, recapturing this sort of an exciting feeling that's really, you know, sort of self-focused, right? It's not about, you know, who you are to the pets or the kids or the mortgage company, right? It's just about you as a, as a, as a sexual creature, um, I think that that's, you know, like trying to refine that is um, is sort of proximally at the heart of what's going on um, with a lot of a lot of both women and men. All right. So let's talk a little bit about desire. There's that desire for attention, right? There's a desire mm-hmm. to feel special, desire to feel important. Mm-hmm. Chances mm-hmm. are if you're married, that's, you know, it's that's work to keep that kind of constantly going. So in the very right. structure of, of an affair, the fact that you can never likely have your lover also kind of keeps you wanting. I mean, sort of the forbidden, you know, because right. the ambiguity keeps you wanting what you can't have. Of course, that's absurd, but, you know, it's... it's <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of research. I mean, there's, like, research showing that, um, you know, that what drives um, lust, Mm. you know, like, this lusting after somebody is the uncertainty. And as soon as it becomes certain, people don't want it anymore. It's, like, less enticing. And they found that the reason that this is is because when something is uncertain, it pops into our head more because we think about it more because we're trying to figure it out. Um, And as soon as we have the answer, we're not thinking about it as much, it becomes comes less salient to us and we don't want it as much and so um it's you know that that sort of gives in some ways it gives an affair partner right sort of an unfair advantage um because they you know are gonna you're gonna keep sort of thinking about it and keep popping up into your brain and because our brains are so sort of um dumb in some ways like the more that we start thinking about something the more important we think it is um even if that's not true and so um, there's, yeah, that's like, that's a very real phenomenon where um, people sort of mistake or they sort of mislabel um, sort of, you know, all, thinking about this all the time with um, sort of, you know, feelings of excitement and attraction when really it's just, um, you know, it's because we can't figure it out. Mm. It's uncertain. Um, I, we do need to take another short break, but when oh, we sure. come back, um, I'd love to talk about the difference between sexual and emotional infidelity. Listeners, stay with us here. Don't go anywhere. I appreciate you hanging out with me. More talk on the way here on 95.9 WATD. New Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Hey, long time no see. You look amazing. 
Thanks. I just came from my hair appointment with Thomas Negrelli at Rebel Hair Studio. Thomas Negrelli? Yeah, Thomas Negrelli. He specializes in cuts, color, blowouts, braids, and even makeup. I have been thinking about changing up my look for the spring. Then call him at 774-404-1872. Did you say that number again? 774-404-1872. Thanks. I'm calling him now. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terra Mia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy tutoria with stucco walls and beam ceilings specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisines here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terra Mia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. This best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiarestaurante.com. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back, and we are peeling the layers off of infidelity with some surprising finds with evolutionary psychologist Dr. Sarah Hill. Welcome back, Dr. Hill. Thank you. So before the break, uh, I asked you, what is the difference between sexual and emotional infidelity? Yeah, so sexual infidelity is exactly what it sounds like. Um, And, you know, it's the um, physical part of the affair. And then the emotional infidelity is generally like the feelings of love and care um, and commitment to another person. Um, And there's actually some really interesting um, research showing that um, men tend to get more upset about the sexual aspects of infidelity when there is an infidelity. And women... um, tend to get more upset um, when it comes to the emotional um, parts of infidelity. Um, and so, it, which is also sort of interesting because women are more likely to commit emotional infidelity um, than men's sexual infidelity. Um, but yeah, so both things are sort of part of the infidelity picture. And some, of course, some affairs can have just one element and then others can have, um, can have both. So how has infidelity changed in the past 50 years, or has it? I mean, I think it probably has. Um, You know, uh, the the research suggests that um, the gender gap is closing a little bit when it comes to infidelity, um, where, you know, it used to be that um, men were having sort of an overwhelmingly greater number of um, affairs relative to women. Um, And women are starting to catch up. Um, They're narrowing the gap. There's still a gap. Men are still more likely to do it than women, but it's not by the same margin that it used to be. And um, I think that, you know, the research tends to suggest that there's probably a number of different factors at play. Um, Some of the sort of obvious ones are, you know, um, exposure, like social media, um, Mm. and the degree to which we have these, like, dating apps, like, um, and I use the word dating very loosely, like, with Tinder, um, and, you know, other ways that we're able to um, sort of have instant access to partners. 
um, I think has not necessarily been good um, in terms of, you know, promoting um, committed relationships. Um, other things that have sort of, um, I think, um, it, in particular, closed the gender gap um, has been, you know, the birth control pill, of course, um, allows women to be able to um, have sex without sort of leaving a potential um, paper trail in terms of, you know, having pregnancies that they have to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's um, certainly contributed to um, women sort of increasing the degree to which they um, are having affairs as well as um, women aren't as dependent on men as they used to be financially. And I think that that's opened um, opened it the, the door for infidelity um, just because it's made it less costly for women if they end up getting caught. Um, because, you know, back in the 1920s, if, you know, um, if a woman had an affair and she's, you know, staying at home and doesn't really have, you know, an education or a means of supporting herself, um, she could be in really big trouble um, if she gets caught and her partner decides to leave her. Um, and, you know, nowadays it's, you know, still obviously going to be pretty financially um, costly and, and emotionally costly and otherwise if a woman gets caught having an affair, but um, at least she's, you know, women are now in a better position to be able to support themselves. And I think all of this sort of feeds into the mental calculus that people use when they're sort of making decisions about what they're going to be doing, like both within and then outside the context of their relationship. Right. You know, we live in an era where we feel, I think, more entitled to pursue our desires. And we used to divorce because we were unhappy, right? But now Mm -hmm. divorce seems to be more of, I could be happier. Um, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, no, that's really interesting. And it's an one, interesting you know, episode. at one time, divorce carried all the shame, you know. But today, choosing to stay when you can leave is the new shame, right? right. Like, why, yeah, re- like, sort of like, well, why? If you're so unhappy, why would you stay? You know, like, right, right. Well, yeah, no, and I think that I'm sure there's some cultural things that go into that, like because you know we are so individualistic here in the U.S., you know, where we tend to um, sort of put our own happiness and self-expression as being, like, the most important things, you know, that we should be doing. And so um, I think it sort of violates our, you know, sort of cultural worldview in some ways by, you know, this idea that you might put somebody else's happiness um, ahead of your own, um, I think is, yeah, it's almost seemed like a character flaw. (laughs) Um, (laughs) instead of, you know, instead of being something that's, that's actually sort of admirable. Um, that's interesting. You know, the romantic ideal where we turn to one person, right? I mean, this person's going to be my best lover. This person's going to be my best friend, not to mention my Mm -hmm. intellectual equal. And when we think we've found it, it's like we feel that we're chosen, we're unique, we're indispensable, irreplaceable. But obviously, infidelity tells a totally different story. Do you think a relationship can actually survive infidelity in a real concrete way, or do you think it ultimately shatters trust? And I, I know that it's an individual thing, but... Yeah. Right, and I... and. Right, but yeah, yeah, it isn't it. You know, it's it's gonna it's gonna vary depending on the couple. But I mean, I I think that I think that it's something that if both you know parties are willing and, and want it to work, I think it can work absolutely. It's just something that both you know both parties have to be committed to, um, and that's not always you know that's not always the case. Like chances are, if there was an infidelity, um, and especially you know the research suggests if it was a woman who is un 
unfaithful. It suggests that there's some relationship things going on that have to really be addressed. Um, and, you know, uh, so it's something that, you know, both parties have to be willing to come together to work on. And I think that that is really difficult for a lot of couples, but I think that it's something that can be done. So what does infidelity actually threaten in those that are cheated on? I mean, security, lost love, triggers of abandonment, what? Right. Well, it's all of those all things, of those, right? Yeah, and yeah. sort of, yeah, I mean, like, you know, and historically, um, if we kind of put this into the, um, you know, deep evolutionary context, um, you know, lose, like, if your partner, um, if you're a man in particular and your partner is having sex with somebody else, ultimately this could jeopardize, jeopardize your paternity, right? And, and just your, um, the possibility of you getting your genes into the next generation. And, um, you know, so obviously you can imagine that the process, the evolutionary process, would shape men's brains to experience an incredible amount of pain um, in response to, like, what is sort of, in some ways, like the ultimate evolutionary sort of dead end, right, of like not passing your genes on and then investing in somebody else's. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like there's a there's a real threat, you know, there for men in particular, but then both for men and um, women, you know, the idea that your partner is sort of taking their resources. And again, I, I mean that in terms of money, but more, you know, in terms of love and affection and time and care. Um, and they're investing that in somebody else. And that means that there's, you know, you're not being very well supported. And there's also the possibility that they could completely, you know, take all of that care and love and support away, in which case, um, you know, you end up um, alone and needing to fend for yourself. And, you know, again, in our current sort of, you know, cultural context, this isn't as big of a deal as it was historically. But, you know, our brain was wired, um, you know, to help solve these adaptive challenges that we have been facing for millions of years now. And I don't think that our brains have quite caught up to the fact um, that we'll probably be okay if we leave our partner, if our partner leaves us. Um, you know, it's not going, we're not going to end up naked and alone, you know, in the middle of a savannah, um, having to fend off, you know, fend our ourselves and our children from tigers or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's, it's, the, the idea of your partner defecting your, these, like, really important um, resources that would have influenced fitness, I think that, um, you know, is ultimately behind the, the feelings that we have um, surrounding infidelity. Yeah, but, uh, you, when we're talking about passing along the genes in, say, uh-huh. for the man, well, but mm-hmm. oftentimes it, it's the, the man who are in middle age that are cheating. Mm-hmm. So they've already long sort of passed their, well, I mean, men can you know, reproduce for a long time, but, um, right. but, but nonetheless, I mean, chances are if a man is say 50, 55, he's already had his kids if he's going to have them. So, right. So right. Yeah. It, does it still, the, what the brain doesn't separate age or do you know what I'm yeah, asking? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it may or may not, you know, I, I don't know that I've read of any studies where they've looked at differences in amounts of distress that a that a man feels when his partner is having an affair and how it varies as a function of his partner's fertility. Um, but I mean, I would imagine that men feel more threatened by sexual infidelity when their partner is during like peak reproductive years mm. than not. Like if a man 
is 55 years old and his wife is also 55 and he finds out that she was having a sexual relationship. Like, yes, I still think that it would be very painful, but do I think that it would be as painful um, as if he was when he was 30 and his wife was also 30 or 25? Like, I think probably we would see that it's a little bit less painful because our brain does seem to take in some of that, that contextual information and have it influence sort of how um, painful things are, um, which is like actually kind of a really interesting um, research question that um, somebody could answer um, with the right study. So what can we learn from affairs to, to better our relationships without having to actually live through infidelity? Right. I mean, I think that if we sort of understand the context in which it occurs, um, and that is, you know, um, like, especially for women, you know, it oftentimes has to do with not feeling um, like they're being emotionally uh, supported in their relationship and feeling like they're looking for more support that way. And, you know, men, if they're looking for, like, sexual thrill-seeking, um, you know, sort of thinking about ways to incorporate those types of things into our relationships or to make sure that we're not taking our partner for granted as much as that's possible. I mean, you know, like you obviously can't, um, I mean, nobody can invest in their partner throughout the length of their relationship the way that they do early on. I mean, nobody would be able to hold down a job if you know, we were all... Um, Those men, they like are full-time of, jobs, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, it would be ter- but I mean, you know, just sort of like, you know, making sure that you're um, like in tune with what your partner needs and making sure that there's an open dialogue about the needs of, um, of each person just to make sure that um, both parties are um, feeling satisfied, both in terms of sort of the commitment levels and the emotional support, um, but even, you know, sexual excitement. Right. You know, desire runs deep, so does betrayal. Is it possible mm-hmm. that some affairs are just catalysts for relationships that are already dying on the vine? Yeah, no, I think that that's also really, I think that's possible. I think that, um, you know, and I, I've heard this anecdotally um, from uh, from women and men where they were in a relationship that they knew wasn't going well, and they were sort of using this as an opportunity to get out. Um, and a lot of times, you know, uh, you see that um, people who, you know, were having affairs, they don't end up staying with their affair partner after they break off their marriage. And it's, you know, sort of consistent with that idea of um, the affair partner just being sort of a, an, like an excuse to end the relationship that was already sort of on its way out. And so I think that's definitely a, a strategy. And it's one of the sort of functions that, um, that affairs serve in men and women's lives. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with evolutionary psychologist Dr. Sarah Hill. We're talking about crossing the line and infidelity. So, uh, uh, Sarah, betrayal in a relationship obviously comes in many forms, and there are many ways that we we betray our partner with contempt, with neglect, uh, indifference, right? Um, and mm-hmm. sexual betrayal is only one way to hurt a partner, I feel at least. I mean, the victim of of an affair is not always the victim of the marriage. Right. Right? Um, Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, no, I think that there's a tendency for people to assume that um, that if there's an affair in a relationship, that the the cheat the cheater, 
is the person who's the bad guy um, because, you know, they did this terrible thing that, you know, most people um, perceive as being the sort of ultimate um, act of betrayal within the context of a committed relationship. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, the it, it, it doesn't seem that it's always that case. And, you know, when you look at um, the sort of statistics that are out there in terms of, you know, things that um, precipitate an affair, um, a lot of times, you know, there there's a larger context in which that sort of betrayal is occurring. And sometimes it's um, it's occurring in response to, yeah, like what, what you sort of um, phrased as being like neglect, right, or complete, um, you know, sort of indifference. Um, and so, um, yeah, the idea that, um, that, you know, an affair... Um, was like to- like is uh, totally you know the worst thing that you can do and totally unjustified um, and that sort of thing I, I think is um, isn't necessarily true I think a lot of times it happens in a larger context not not always of course right. um, but it's not necessarily the worst thing that can happen in the context of a relationship exactly. and sometimes these other things that precede the affair um, can be just as experientially painful um, to the person who's experiencing them as the act of infidelity We're, we do need to take another short break when we come back um i'd like to talk about the cost to the other woman or a man listeners stay with us here don't go anywhere more talk with francesca coming right up on 95.9 watd tides is beachside dining at its best all year round Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Your pets are family. Take your dog to the Dog's Den in Pembroke. Your furry friend will go from smelling crummy to yummy because Leah at the Dog's Den really cares. Whatever your pet's needs are, from dematting to extra scissoring, the Dog's Den in Pembroke has your furry friends covered. So call the Dog's Den today at 781-826-7008 or visit thedogsdengrooming.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723. 6733 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com Now for more talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. 
All right, we are back. Welcome back, Dr. Hill. Thank you. So what's the cost to the other woman or man? Ooh, yeah, you know, that's, um, again, it's going to be kind of case by case. It, I guess it really depends on what the context is um, of the relationship. Because um, if it's a, you know, when Harry met Sally kind of um, situation, the one that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, where um, the partner of the of the person who's having the affair um, is, you know, under the illusion that the primary relationship is going to end, obviously that's something that's going to be, you know, really costly um, since, you know, that person can invest all of their time and energy in this relationship that's ultimately not going to go anywhere. Um, And, you know, and that's something that's um, obviously not very desirable. But, um, you know, surely there are contexts in which this sort of thing occurs where um, both, you know, both parties are aware that it's a you know, probably a temporary mm. um, engagement, but, you know, I don't know the degree to which, um, you know, I don't know of any research or any sort of statistics that sort of break down um, who who is your affair partner. Um, but I would assume, you know, in, in the context of um, a single person who's involved with a married person, um, I think that there's probably a lot of false hope um, that occurs. Um, and uh, that's oftentimes, you know, not going to be uh, met with a positive end. Has You know, it's never been easier to cheat also on social media, right? I mean, yeah, no, I think that that's absolutely true. Right. And so, even just having smartphones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. God forbid I mean, that you like, send the wrong text to the wrong person. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you have the most gorgeous us. eyes I've ever seen. Oops, I didn't mean to send yeah. it to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard of a, um, and I don't know if this is just an urban legend, but I heard about a somebody who got caught because um, they were sending texts to their um, affair partner and they were showing up on the home iPad. <laughs> Um, and, and oopsie, like, wow, that's an interesting conversation going on over there. Uh, I'm not a part of. Scary though, don't you think? Yeah, no, it totally, it is scary. You know, it's like, we think about how easy it is to get access to, um, you know, uh, partners and how easy it is to reconnect with people that we might have had, you know, passionate relationships with in the past. And, you know, the fact that all of our communication can now be done privately, where you could actually be sending a message to, you know, a different person or a whole slew of different people when you're sitting right next to your romantic partner. I mean, it's like we've gotten into um, a world where it's totally changed the parameters of normal relationship functioning. And I think that it does, um, you know, because part of, you know, what goes into our mental calculus when we're making decisions to do things um, is, like, are we going to get caught? Um, And I I think it's harder, I think it's probably harder to get caught now than it used to be. Um, And so people are just assuming that they'll be able to maybe get away with it. Right. Um, Sarah, I hate to put you in a box. We have, like, two minutes left. Is there anything you would like to share with our audience that you haven't shared that you think would be meaningful and helpful to them? 
Um, well, you know, I don't think so. I think I've kind of hit the major points, but I'll just say that um, for anybody who has experienced this and who's been on the wrong, like the like the bad, the business end of an affair, like the bad side, you know, the um, person who is hurt, um, I think that there's hope for relationships. Like, I do think that, um, you know, long-term, stable, happy relationships um, are possible, and, and stable, happy relationships um, all always experience some turbulence. Nobody has a perfect relationship, and I think people need to not be so hard on themselves if they find themselves in a, in a situation where their relationship, um, you know, is sort of off course. Even, you know, really good relationships, bad things sometimes happen in, right, and they can recover. All right. Dr. Sarah Hill, thanks so much for being on Talk with Francesca. It's been a pleasure. Uh-huh. All right, great. Thanks for having me. Okay, we've got to wrap things up and say goodbye. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, spread the word on social media. See you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week.